Hour number three coming out to you here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Anthony Heron is with you up until noon. As I referenced, the Chicago Bulls will return to action. Return to the hardwood at the United Center tonight. You'll be able to hear that game on the score at 7 p.m. Pre-game will be there with Rick Kapp and Chuck Swirsky will be on the call also this evening. Um, guest line, we'll have more guests on the way in this final hour. A few minutes away from talking with Ron Johnson, Vikings TV and radio analyst there in the Twin Cities and also a, a heart crusher of Iowa Hawkeye football during my senior season where he had a decisive touchdown that he scored against us where we were going to, I think, win like our last four games my senior year and go out on a high note. Uh, it was back when uh, in in college, before the Gophers had built a new football stadium, like you know, it was TCF Bank Stadium, and now it's some other bank stadium. They just call it the Vault or the Bank or whatever to just have a a unique sort of nickname that goes from one topic to the next. But back when they were uh, they were all still playing at the Metrodome, both the Vikings and the Gophers, that was where we were still playing at that point, and. Uh, it's a great game. We dominated most of it, and then Minnesota came back because we didn't know how to win yet at Iowa. Uh, but the guest line is uh, brought to you by Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. So we'll have Ron, and uh, we'll talk some Bears, and, and uh, we'll get some Bulls discussion going in this hour as well as we've been doing throughout the show, having a great time, having a fun time, less than a week to go until Christmas. And, of course, the holiday season for a wide variety of holidays is all upon us right now. I appreciate all the uh, the love on the text line as well. Text Zone brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at RosenHyundai.com. And not only will uh, will you see me later tonight, I'll be on at 10 o'clock over on Fox 32 on the Sports Zone with Luke Canellis. We'll have a good time over there. We'll work in you know, a little bit of holiday discussion into that show as well. But then, of course, tomorrow night will you hear a Bears pregame here because it will be a, a Bears Monday with a Monday night football game leading into it. Uh, but you will hear the Bears pregame coverage and Bears postgame coverage here on the score uh, you'll also see me on Fox 32 for Bears postgame live tomorrow night after the game ends on Monday Night Football. I'll be there with Luke Nellis and Jim Miller, as I usually am. And uh, I mentioned the boss man just giving you some programming notes here, both personally and uh, and stationwide, uh, just to let you know the score will carry Seahawks-Rams on Tuesday night. They're going to join that game at kickoff at 6 p.m. So make sure you tune in for that here on the score where – Usually you catch uh, not only the Sunday night football coverage here, but Seahawks-Rams being moved over. You'll make sure you're able to hear that one on the score as well. But Brian Callahan, who is uh, on the ones and twos for me today in the Score Hyundai studios. So you played the Jackson 5 version of Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Would you say that that one in your mind? Because I would say, you know, we're both of a demographic age where – the the Bruce Springsteen fandom, you know, isn't necessarily <laughs> running as deep there. So w- was that your way of just letting folks know you prefer the the Jackson Five version of Santa Claus is coming to town? Yeah, that one I I definitely prefer. And you know, I actually I grew up in the state of Indiana. So any shout out to uh, my Hoosier mm-hmm. my Hoosier peeps over there uh, appreciate you. And you know, you got to love the Jackson Five. They got a a number of uh, a Christmas tracks yeah. too. So you know, you can't really go wrong. No doubt, no doubt. Cannot agree with you more on that. Um, the the game itself that will be taking place. I referenced we we're going to talk uh, talk some bears and some bulls here during this final hour. I'll get a I'll get a few texts in on the the text zone also. That I do want to I'll transition into a, a little bit of bears discussion leading into having Ron Johnson on the show. But 
Uh, there was a, a few texts that came in while we were going through in the previous hour. We spent a lot of that hour, for those who didn't hear it, going through some of my favorite holiday tunes, some of my favorite Christmas songs, and just sort of running down which which sort of bears and bulls figures they represent in, in my mind. We had a lot of fun doing that. Uh, there was one person from the 708 asking for the uh, the Parkinson Spiegel version of Christmas at Hallis. Uh, I don't know, maybe some other time. There's also uh, some other uh, texter that I will deny who is wondering, uh, what did they say? All I want for Christmas is for the score to be in Talking Hockey again. That from the 847. I'm sure that's going to happen. I'm also sure it's not going to happen on this show. But keep listening to the score. Stay tuned in, and I'm confident you will hear some hockey discussion take place at some point. It just ain't going to be in the next 55 minutes. I can guarantee you that. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Uh, yes, excellent segment. Comparisons from the 219. Appreciate the love there. Uh, 773. How about Nagy got run over by a reindeer? Come on, that's not nice. That's not nice. Can we play nice here when we're going through some of these Christmas songs? This is the holiday season. whoop de doo Dickory Dock, all those things. Uh, don't, don't say that five times fast. Uh, Got to show some love to the king from the 480. That's out in Arizona. Listening in here, holiday season isn't complete without putting on Elvis's Christmas album at least once. I feel you there. Uh, and we are going to have, Brian Callahan just let me know, we're going to have Chuck Swirsky, who's going to join us in the final segment. He'll be with us at 1140 to preview what's coming up from the bulls tonight so in the uh, in the vein of previewing things let let me uh as we set up the interview we're going to have in a few minutes with ron johnson give you some thoughts on where things sit with the bears i've had a you know a couple opportunities on on some of the other shows i'm with lawrence every monday on the lawrence home show i'm with dan and layla every thursday on bernstein and rahimi and so i've been able to share you know just a, a few notes a few thoughts on where i think things sit with with Justin Fields, with the, the Bears at large. And here's what I would say. I think that, to me, I, I feel like I definitively saw where his ribs were limiting him, that being Justin Fields, who I said that the the Mariah Carey song, All I Want for Christmas is You, that's how we closed the previous hour with saying that that's, what, that's the song that, to me, represents Justin Fields and where he's at in the hearts and minds of Bears fans at the moment with uh, sort of the, the jubilation they feel about their hopes for him in moving forward. Um, that being said, what we saw from Justin Fields against the, the Green Bay Packers, certainly some positive moments. I also thought some learning moments that were apparent there. The development of Fields at the quarterback position, I think a lot of that, because there, there's been so much concern. I was talking to Rami, uh, uh, Rami Makloff about this the other night as well, just where you know Rami's point of view is similar to a lot of folks watching the Bears and caring about the Bears right now and caring specifically about Justin Fields right now. What I do find funny as it relates to the Bears rookie QB is that as the season began and the Bears had already had Andy Dalton on the roster, they've paid him you know, low-level starter money, paid Nick Foles low-level starter money. So we've seen the last couple of years here where the Bears' other quarterbacks, they're, they're veteran quarterbacks, they're, uh, they're guys who are now riding the pine, rightfully so, have had contracts uh, bestowed upon them that makes it very difficult for the team to move on from them, certainly from Foles, which would have been the anticipation at some point leading into the season, and that didn't happen. I think part of that is the financial investment that the Bears have made in him. But then the folks who wanted Justin Fields to start from day one 
part of what that discussion has turned into now that he's actually on the field and things aren't going perfectly for Justin Fields and the the surrounding scenario isn't perfect for Justin Fields as far as the the sort of inconsistent offensive system that he's in at times, the the protection of an inexperienced offensive line, especially at the tackle position and how that plays out at times. And folks are, are watching Justin Fields play and you know, it seems to be sort of the same crowd. I know in the case of Dan Bernstein and Layla Rahimi, it's like the same crowd that really wanted him on the field passionately early in the season. Some of those folks are now very, very deeply concerned for essentially his health being on the field now. And I do think that that those are sort of contradictory points of view. Because if if we wanted Justin Fields on the field, and I was one who, I'm sure a lot of you folks remember, I was one who didn't mind that Justin Fields didn't start the opening game. I, I, don't, I do put value in the learning curve that can take place from, from live game action. It, it seems to me that now that he's on the field and the opportunity is there for him to learn, as long as he's healthy enough to do it, then I say let him learn. I've got zero issue with that being the case. And we had, um, Brian, we have some Matt Nagy sound, right, where he's discussing specifically Justin Fields and, and where things are at just from a, from a developmental perspective. And certainly with the Bears, <clears throat> I think for the Bears coaching staff and what's going to happen at coordinator, especially, you know, who knows if, if you're going to have Bill Lazor out multiple games, assuming Matt Nagy is still here and who's calling the plays and everything like that. But Matt Nagy addressing the Bears offense, I think that'll certainly be something that that Bears fans will want to tune in very closely for and just try to evaluate what Justin Fields will continue to experience. What position will he continue to be in as he's out there as the starting QB? Let's hear from the Bears head man. Number one, I have a lot of respect for what they do on third down. Uh, they, they always lead the league every year on third down. Um, we got to be able to stay in, in third and manageable, whether that's via the pass or or run, because if they get you in third and seven plus, it can be difficult. So for Justin, it's going to be a really good opportunity for him to be able to see some of the things they do. And I think probably the best thing they do is they disguise. So they, it's the cat and mouse game where they like to show you one way and come from another and then show you one way and come from that way. So um, we got to be really locked in and be good with what we're doing schematically, whether it's via protections or whether it's through the air or whether it's through the run, we got to, we got to all be locked in and, and have great communication. So it's going to be a good challenge for him. And the, the challenge that's presented by this Vikings defense that leads the national football league in sacks and their pressure rate is very high as well. They can be had in the run game though. And I think that that's where from the bears coaching staff's perspective and whether it ends up, you know, it doesn't sound like it'll be bill laser as the offensive coordinator or calling plays. And so with that as the case, if it is Matt Nagy, who's calling the plays during the game, my hope is that, you know, Matt Nagy will be taking some of those lessons that, that would seemingly have been available to him to learn now, just about how he can position Justin Fields and this bears offense for, for comfort. And especially because he's definitively going to have two rookies at tackle. And yes, we've been impressed with Larry Borum and especially, you know, judging him through the lens of a, a late round draft pick starting at tackle for the Bears and Tevin Jenkins early in that game against Green Bay the other night. 
through a couple of series had, you know, more nice moments than not. And then part of the difficulty for, for a, a professional athlete, part of the difficulty, especially at the NFL level is to not only have a couple of good plays in a row to have a completely good series, but in the, let's call it 60 plus snaps that you face in a game, how do you sustain that level of excellence as your opponent gets more and more cracks to set you up with different things as the, the, the wear and tear of a game begins to factor into your readiness, your focus, how your body feels, your conditioning, and that should be a concern for the Bears at this point, and not just the Bears, a number of other teams around the league, the conditioning that they're in because they're, they're just not in a position to practice very much lately. And, you know, it's one thing to say that, all right, they've been perhaps sitting around a lot because they can't be at the facility throughout the week here, but they're still going to be in better shape than you and I, but are they going to be in shape to really play 60 minutes of an NFL game at a fever pitch? That's where I think especially the veteran players need to take some of the young guys under their wing and make sure that they are still doing everything they can to be at their peak of physical conditioning because a a Darnell Mooney who's going to run a bunch of, you know, go routes and and deep in routes and comebacks and all the the stress that that puts on you cardiovascularly, then he needs to still try to maintain his conditioning as much as possible and especially guys who are coming off you know, Akeem Hicks is coming off an extended layoff right now. He hasn't even been in game action in weeks. He's going to have to be able to maintain a level of conditioning out there also. But specifically to Justin Fields, I don't have any issue with Justin Fields being out there playing with banged up ribs. He was seemingly able to get through the previous game without making him any worse. He's got a longer layoff from this previous week here to get himself right and get himself ready for the game that he's going to play tomorrow night against the Vikings. All these things are lessons for him to continue to learn and continue to prepare himself for what he wants to become as a starting quarterback. And so it, this is all information. This is all experience that he's able to compile on top of each other to try and prepare himself for greatness. But just to be involved in as many situations as possible during this rookie year and learn from them is as valuable as anything he could be doing if he was sitting there in bubble wrap on the sidelines waiting until he was 100% healthy because that doesn't do him nearly as much good as being 75 or 80% healthy and still figuring out how to thrive in those moments, which I do feel like we saw some examples of that against Green Bay. Let's get the opposing perspective. We'll talk to Vikings TV and radio analyst Ron Johnson on the other side of this timeout. This is The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. If uh, if Bill is unable to go, is your thought to take the play calling back yourself or would Flip get a shot at that or what are you thinking? Yeah, we'll probably work through that and just, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll work together and, uh, you know, just kind of see what we want to do there. I think we've had a good plan all week long with how we've gone about it and what we've discussed. And um, no matter who's calling it, we're, uh, we feel like the plan is going to be good. The voice of Bears coach Matt Nagy being a bit coy when asked by Hub Arkish about who would be calling plays for the Bears as it got to Monday Night Football. Not only a number of players, but coordinators on the staff as well with Chicago have been out in the COVID health and safety protocol. So who knows? I wonder if Minnesota will be a little bit uncertain about what the Bears offense 
brings to the table depending upon who will be calling those plays. I know a man who can give me a good answer on where things sit from a Vikings perspective. Let's go out to the Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas Hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. Talking to my guy Ron Johnson. Ron, a Vikings TV and radio analyst there in Minneapolis. You can find him on Twitter at 3RonJohnson. Ron, how you doing this morning, man? Good, man. How's it going? Outstanding. Really appreciate you making some time to join me here. So when you hear the Bears coach Matt Nagy being a little bit apprehensive to address who's going to be calling plays, do you think that'll give Minnesota's defense a little bit of pause about what offensive system they'll see from the Bears? No, I mean, honestly, from a, from a Vikings perspective, if you look at what Bill Lazar has done, um, I, I think we're hoping they force him through the COVID protocol. He's back out there. Um, you know, his play call in all season has not been extremely innovative when it comes to Justin Fields. Um, you look at what Justin Fields, you know, his, his athletically gifted, uh, you know, sets are, which is throwing the ball from the pocket, but then having the ability to run. So it's kind of like a PRO. So it's a pass. We may have lost Ron for a moment. Yeah, we'll there. try to get him back. But yeah, we'll we'll try to get Ron back in a moment, Brian, and reconnect with him. But Alan, think- I don't feel like they're coaching him up the way you know, like you know, you get to look at Cliff Kingsbury the way he treats Kyler Murray. Um, that's some of the things I think Bears fans and, and everybody, you know, Dan Orlovsky at ESPN, everybody was hoping that's what Justin Fields would be, and we haven't seen it yet. And we actually ended up losing just a chunk of what you're saying. We hear you loud and clear again now at this point, Ron. And one of the things that uh, that I think you were illuminating there, and I've watched some of your coverage there in the, the Twin Cities, talking about your evaluation of the Bears' offense and just where Justin Fields is a threat is his part of his ability to extend plays as well. We know the Vikings' pass rush leads the league in sacks and is exceptional in pressuring as well. What have been some of the things from Minnesota's perspective that you've seen, especially with their third down defense, has made the Vikings effective on that side of the ball? Yeah, well, it's first and second down is where they've been key. It's forcing third and seven and long, seven, third and seven to ten. So if you think about that, you're forcing a quarterback to have kind of be one-dimensional, especially – guys like Ben Roethlisberger who aren't, you know, fleet of foot, who aren't going to get out of the pocket and threaten you. The one rookie quarterback and young quarterback that kind of really hurt Mike Zimmer was Josh Allen from the Bills because of his ability to run. Um, you look at all the other rookie quarterbacks he's faced, Joe Burrow, um, you, you go to Kyler Murray, you go to all these, you know, top Justin Herbert, all these top rookie quarterbacks when they faced Mike Zimmer did not have a great day. And I think Justin Fields is, is going to be in for one as well because what Mike his linebackers and safeties to kind of cowboy it you know they get up to the line of scrimmage you know and, and they have a hey you're in cover two or you're in cover four but I want you to disguise it you you know you do you and Harrison Smith's one of the best now some of the younger guys on the defensive backfield he's not going to give them that ability he's going to kind of tell them where to line up and where to get to but guys like Harrison Smith Anthony Barr Eric Kendricks those guys have been here you know from the beginning with Zimmer and so they they know what Zimmer wants out of them and that's why third down is so key. If you look at the sacks, I mean, uh, Sheldon Richardson coming unblocked, uh, Harrison Smith coming unblocked, because he's putting seven, eight guys in line of scrimmage, and the quarterback has to identify the mic, and you know that as offensive linemen. Well, the problem is it's a, it's a delayed blitz, meaning if you pick the wrong mic, we're going we're gonna to go hot off of that. So the minute we know who you're telling your center to keep an eye on, we're going to make sure your center has to watch him, but he's not coming. And then we're going to send some other guys. And so it's, it's, it's one of the unique, coolest defense I've seen since the Ravens back with Ed Reed and Ray Lewis. And, and that's why he's been successful. But injuries, I mean, if you look at Daniel Hunter being out, 
Um, you look at Anthony Barr, um, Sheldon Richardson, Michael Pierce, even Patrick Peterson. Those guys haven't played together. I think they played maybe one game together with all five of those guys. Uh, Everson Griffin, you know, him being out with mental health issues. So it, it's been a hodgepodge of guys that Zimmer's had to put together, and that's why they're kind of at the bottom of the league with a lot of the stats overall. But from a sack standpoint, like you said, they're getting pressure on the quarterback. Ron Johnson, our guest here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score at Twitter on three Ron Johnson Vikings TV and radio analysts breaking down things from the Minnesota perspective as they prepare to face the Chicago Bears on Monday Night Football. As we flip over to the offensive side for the Vikings, I do think that that Bears fans, probably as much as any fan base, tends to assume that, that the grass is always greener elsewhere, that every other fan base loves their offense and loves their quarterback, and you know we're the only ones who have it bad. But I know that there's been inconsistencies there for the Vikings as well. Let's start with just Kirk Cousins. And after a few seasons here in Minnesota, where, where does his perception sit amongst Vikings fans? Well, I will tell the Bears fans, you know, the grass is greener. So if you guys are looking for a new house, a new place to come, <laughs> feel free to come over to Minnesota. The grass is definitely greener over here. But, you know, like, this is the thing about Kirk Cousins. His his stigma is always going to be primetime. You look at primetime games. You look at his, I mean, his career versus the Bears, um, as far as being with the Vikings, he hasn't had a great, I mean, overall the Bears are one in, or the Vikings are one in five versus the Bears. With Kirk Cousins, under center, they're one in four. Uh, he's thrown an interception in every single game he's played against the Bears when he's wearing purple. And so when that happens, fans just are negative. You know, like the Vikings fans, and not just Vikings, it's Minnesota as a whole, like they treat the Gophers the same way. Like it is a <laughs> negative fan base when it comes to like it's not perfect. Everybody thinks, you know, the, 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 the gold standard is Aaron Rodgers and we need to have an Aaron Rodgers type quarterback. But when you look statistically, and that's what people hate, because they say, you know what, numbers lie because of this. And look at the situation. But at the end of the day, the first seven minutes of every game this season for the Vikings, Kirk Cousins is the number one quarterback in the NFL. He's has 136 passer rating. He's thrown for over 500 yards. He's thrown, you know, I think like I forgot, I think it's seven touchdowns or something like that. I mean, it's the numbers are ridiculous for the first seven minutes of the mm. game. Um, he doesn't turn the ball over, you know. The, the and, and again, that's the scripted. 15 plays that an offensive coordinator puts together. We all know that. You look at the last game-winning drives. Kirk Cousins has led the Vikings to, what, I think five or six game-winning drives this season, uh, barring, you know, the kicker messing up, a DB lining up in the end zone against the, the Lions. So there's been things where, like, if not for Harrison Smith knocking the ball out against the Steelers, that's another game that they probably lose um, in overtime. Or, you know, or at the end of the game, if the Steelers decide to go for two. So it's, it's just so much there with Kirk Cousins, but this is one thing I will say, if you give him a clean pocket, if you let him roll out and give him time, he is one of the best quarterbacks, but it's, it's these primetime games, whether it's coaching or what, that he has struggled not been happy because they've, they've not been able to give him that hump to really put together a complete season with them so far. And with Adam Thielen being out of the lineup here lately, Justin Jefferson has an even bigger role in the Vikings offense. And we've seen Bears corner Jalen Johnson, another second-year player who's been really impressive. And he was able to, last week on Sunday Night Football, it's one of two times this year where the Bears have taken the approach of allowing Jalen Johnson to travel with Devontae Adams 
in most areas of the field. Johnson not necessarily as comfortable as a slot defender yet. And he talked about that to Bears fans a little bit afterwards. I'm wondering with Justin Jefferson, how do you see that matchup? I know you've been able to follow his young career and how impressive he's been, obviously, very closely here. Have you seen defensive backs traveling with Jefferson? And if so, have they had any success against him in doing that? No, nobody's had success against him. I mean, it's 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 Justin Jefferson. I mean, he's one of. I mean, it's it's scary to even think that Joe Burrow had him and Jamar Chase in the same, uh, you know, huddle, and that's just what's so scary about when you look at LSU and they have another you know receiver coming out this year in the draft that was with those guys as well. And so when you think about that LSU, uh, just Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, and you you know you can name the names. They they're NFL ready receivers you know they do a great job there lsu getting those guys ready and and jalen johnson to his credit i mean i think he's Devonte adams it was like two for five on targets Devonte adams and then when Devonte adams was on everybody else in your team it was like eight for eight and so when you think about that though you have to look at some of the plays he messed up on like the slant route where he left them standing there and you know called the touchdown so what does that tell me well one the packers probably should have done a little bit more iso um and less just, you know, concept stuff. Because if I see a guy lose a guy like that, I'm going to go after him again and again. And so, yeah, Jalen Johnson did a decent job in, in the overall scheme. But like you said, Justin Jefferson lines up everywhere. Um, and, and it's tough. But Kirk Cousins, I think the key thing for Kirk Cousins is he's had Adam Thielen all season. So nobody's really, like, locked that, you know, try to lock Justin Jefferson up because of the threat of, just, of uh, Adam Thielen, because of Dalvin Cook in the run game. Um, and then K.J. Osborne, he's been Johnny on the spot. You know, whenever, you know, you look at the Panthers game where K.J. Osborne scored the winning touchdown and win that one, you look at the Steelers game where his touchdown probably was the one that helped them, you know, keep the lead and win that game. Those are the things that Kirk Cousins has done well where he identifies that. If you're going to try to combo cover Jefferson or you're going to try, like the Steelers flat out had a safety turn his back to the number two receiver and he just stared at Justin Jefferson running an over route while the other safety played a deep third, and that's why the other corner was one on one versus KJ, uh, yeah, versus KJ Osborne. So you can try that, but again, if you give Justin Jefferson man to man coverage, I've said this all year: throw the ball up in the air because it's no longer a fifty fifty ball; it's an eighty twenty when it comes to Jefferson with his ab- ability to use his body, shield off receiver or DBs, and catch the ball with his hands. He has some of the most violent hands when it goes to attacking the ball in the air. And that's what makes him great. And, then, of course, I mean, who doesn't want to see the gritty on Monday night? <laughs> Rod Johnson here with us on the score. Uh, the, the run game led by Dalvin Cook. Uh, you know, Cook in his, what, fifth season now at, at this point, or fourth year uh, at this point, as effective as he's been, both as a runner and a pass receiver. He's been banged up a lot during his career, and it's no different right now, but he's still finding a way to be one of the most versatile playmakers out of the backfield in football. Do you see a, another game like this? Because we have seen teams begin to have more success here lately as Akeem Hicks has been out of the lineup for a while, expected back in the lineup, but still a depleted defensive front for Chicago. So where is Dalvin Cook at health-wise, and will he continue to be kind of the main focus of what the, the Minnesota Vikings do up front on offense? Well, he's back. I mean, the separated shoulder – um, it was a clean, I mean, you know, as a football player, it was a clean separation. So it was able to pop right back in. There was no, you know, ligament damage. There was nothing really, you know, that, that kept him out too long. It, it's one of those things where you have to play with pain. And, you know, as a football player, like, we, we grew up that way where, is it, are you injured or are you hurt? And, and a lot of people are like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But that's where that. He's hurting. 
he's not injured. Like, it, it hurts. It's sore. Um, but who isn't sore after a football game of running into a bunch of, you know, 300-pound grown men? But Dalvin Cook, man, he's a different animal, a different beast. Um, he loves his teammates. He wants to play for his team. And the biggest thing for him is he's had Alexander Madison as RB2. And with him possibly being out, most likely out with COVID, or not with COVID, but because of the protocol stuff, um, he's going to have to have now rookie Kenny Wangwu uh, back him up. But we know from Iowa State, the kid's fast. He had a punt return already, this, or kickoff return already this season. Uh, kid can get up to 22 miles an hour, you know, in the open field. So it's all about how much of the, of the load do they give to Dalvin Cook. Now, Dalvin said, give me the ball and we'll win. But Clint Kubiak has to be smart, understanding that the Bears had Dalvin's number up until the last time they played, up until Keen Hicks went out. And then mm-hmm. there was gashing holes. So they have to play it the same way. They're going to have to utilize that, you know, if there's a 3-4 look and you know you can get right in outside backer, they're going to have to be a little bit more organic with the play call. It sounds like we, we lost Ron there again for the moment. So the phone line was a little bit in and out, but really appreciate Ron Johnson taking the time to join us here. Vikings TV and radio analyst here with us on the Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas hotline. He's on Twitter at 3RonJohnson. And part of the storyline tomorrow night, as much as Matt Nagy has been under scrutiny here in Chicago, Mike Zimmer has been under a lot of scrutiny there in Minneapolis as well. So we'll watch that play out on Monday Night Football tomorrow night. You're going to watch and listen right here on the score. You'll be able to hear the Bulls game, and we got the voice of the Bulls coming up next. Chuck Swirsky joins me on the score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. Physically, condition-wise, you know, I feel like I'll be fine. Um, last couple of days, just pushing myself um, as much as I can um, in the gym, coming back to the gym late, late at night, morning time, just getting my rhythm, getting my wind up. Today, we'll get there at practice, so... Um, I'll be fine. That sounded from DeMar DeRozan. Excited to get back to action. I know we're all very excited to watch him. We're back in action as the Bulls get back on the court tonight facing the Los Angeles Lakers, and you will be able to hear that right here at 7 o'clock on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, the man on the call, of course, is Chuck Swirsky. He joins us right now in the Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas Hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. Chuck, can't wait to see the Bulls on the court. Can't wait to hear you calling the action. What has this layoff been like, and how excited are you for the Bulls to start playing ball again? Well, I'm very excited, but let me turn the tables here. How are you doing? How is Bishop doing? (laughs) And how's the fam? <laughs> Outstanding, sir. Outstanding, man. We are just trying to get our acts together. We are less than a week away from Christmas, so there's all kinds of gifts being wrapped and presents being showered upon the four-year-old. And I can't go five minutes without him coming up asking, can we unwrap the gifts yet? No, no, no. Yep. It's not time yet. And so I put a calendar. Literally last night, I put a calendar up on his easel so he could start just crossing off the day so he would know how many sleeps he has left until Christmas. Nice. You know what? Enjoy these moments. <laughs> it goes by so quickly. I mean, it seems like yesterday, you know, I we had a four, two, and a one. Oh. And uh, boy, you know, all of a sudden you wake up one day and they're out of the house and, you know, they're taking care of their own business and family. So, <laughs> um, but hey, I, I have to let you know, you know, like I, I'm, I'm all in on, on football, National Recruiting Day and Basketball Day because at heart, yeah. you know, I still have so much passion. 
Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, Anthony. I think Iowa had a big time recruit, a DB, like like four or five star recruit, right? They did, yeah. Five star defensive back who just happened to be from the state of Iowa, so there was certainly a little bit of a a regional tie-in there, but didn't guarantee him anything. Xavier Wankpa is his name. He's actually going to be playing in the All-American Bowl that I call for NBC. Uh, so that's nice. going to be on January 8th down in San Antonio. But, yeah, they got one of the top safeties in the country. He's going to be a Hawkeye, another defensive lineman who's a four-star prospect who they got as well, a guy named Aaron Graves. So there's a little bit more, I suppose we'll call it, local to the state of Iowa talent that's starting to come up through the football ranks there. So there's a lot to look forward to. Yeah, I appreciate you asking good, about that. Good, good, good. Well, uh, you know, Anthony, to, to get back to your original question, sorry, we, you know, kind of digressed a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, all good. But, uh, you know, it's been a, a bizarre week because we haven't played in a week. And, you know, we had two postponed games. And now, as you know, and all you have to do is get the updates. It's almost like, not hourly, it's almost every, like, 15, 20 minutes a player has entered the health and safety protocols. And a game has been canceled tonight, as you know, in the NBA. And, you know, you're trying to stay healthy. You're trying to be safe. You're trying to make sure that you wear your mask and you've got the booster and, and, you know, which I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor, but obviously I recommend people to take care of themselves. And um, here we are. We're going to have a game tonight. And in in that vein, and talking to Chuck Swirsky, hear the voice of your Chicago Bulls. He's on Twitter at CTS Bulls. And, the lineup itself, I'm wondering because it sounds like Billy Donovan was kind of concerned about the players having to be away for so long and not even have the ability to truly work out and then sort of be thrust right into action. What's your impression of what they were actually able to accomplish yesterday that might make Coach Donovan and the players at least a little bit more comfortable getting back on the court tonight? Well, they were able to get on the court yesterday and get some work in. Uh, and today they went through a shoot-around. In fact, uh, we're going to hear from Billy Donovan. I did a one-on-one. We'll play that tonight at 645 right here on the score. And, and so, Anthony, you've got a situation now where these players have been basically, unless they've decided to go on their own, they've been inactive. We, they weren't able to hold any team type of scrimmages uh, because of the COVID rules, in effect, And honestly, I don't know what to expect tonight from a bull standpoint. And for that matter, the Lakers, I mean, the Lakers have six guys out their head coaches out. And then Anthony Davis on top of that, he's going to miss four weeks with a knee injury. So, um, you know, when people say, well, you know, these guys are, are pros They're listen, they're still human beings and their bodies, they're not machines. You know, the human body is a beautiful, beautiful instrument but they are not robots. And so when they take the floor tonight, Anthony, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> they will play hard, but whether or not they're able to sustain eight, ten minutes at a time, I think Billy Donovan's going to go to the bench. I went through a little exercise earlier in the show here, Chuck, where I was picking out some of my favorite Christmas songs, and I was sort of relating them to players on the, the Bears and Bulls because those are the two teams I was spending most of my time focused on throughout the show here. And DeMar DeRozan was was one of the Bulls players that I featured in one of the songs. And it was I used Ray, the Ray Charles version of Winter Wonderland for that one because it's just kind of a smooth, jazzy kind of approach that Ray Charles takes to a classic. And I feel like DeMar DeRozan's game is smooth, is somewhat jazzy, and it's kind of classic in the mid-range area and some of those things. Well, what have been your observations? 
observations of DeRozan and where we maybe perceived he was at this point in his career and what he's actually been for the Bulls on the court now? Wow, I like that that uh, analogy and correlation there. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, I'm going to one up you, Anthony, because you know, in my opinion, who had the best voice ever, and everyone's saying, well, it's Sinatra or Tony Bennett. I'm going to tell you what, Anthony, Nat King Cole had an incredible oh, yeah. voice. The Christmas song, no doubt, man. That is my favorite one. Like every year, I kind of come up with my top five lists of my favorite songs this time of year. And This Christmas by Donny Hathaway, uh, Winter Wonderland with Ray Charles. But yes, Nat King Cole, the Christmas song, that is always up there. And like my top two or three songs I like to listen to this time of year. Yeah, I mean, wow, Nat King Cole, unbelievable. Anyway, so we're going all over the map here, Anthony. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Back to DeMar DeRozan, okay? He's on, hey, speaking of Nat King Cole, DeMar DeRozan is unforgettable. That's oh, what you are. You. Unforgettable. Right. Though near, near and far. Oh, we got to take this show on the road, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, in my opinion, DeMar DeRozan is going to go in the Hall of Fame one day. Mm. I'm serious. I... I think he is a terrific NBA player. He's been great ever since he came out of USC with Raptors. And, uh, you know, I love what he's doing. And he's such a, a pro, in, both on and off the court, Anthony. And that's why I think, uh, you know, again, he's coming in top five in the NBA in scoring. We'll see tonight what we can get out of him because he's been, you know, sidelined for eight days. And, uh, I mean, he was surprised just as anyone because – He's been asymptomatic. I mean, he's had no issues whatsoever. And with with players in, in that scenario, DeRozan, you know, just the latest amongst them, but Kobe White also expected to be available for the game this evening. And Kobe White in a different scenario than a lot of his teammates where he was just sort of getting his basketball legs back under him, and then he has to leave the lineup and things get shut down for the team because of health and safety protocols. Were you getting a sense that Kobe White was sort of figuring out his place within this lineup, within this, the current construct of the Bulls roster that had really taken off to a certain extent where he wasn't able to be involved in things. And he was only a few games in to trying to come back and, and kind of, you know, get his version of what he can be for this Bulls squad before having to be sort of ripped away from everything. Where, where do you think Kobe White sits in the mix of it all right now? Well, you, you, you probably uh, touched on something that is, is very apparent and that's Kobe was still trying to figure things out, Anthony, um, because, you know, everyone knows what he did last year, and now all of a sudden he's taking on a new role, and what that role is is the fact that he's got to bring scoring, but he needs more than that, you know, rebounding, assists, um, and I'm, I'm still very much in his corner. I, I, I think the world of Kobe as a person, first and foremost, and secondly, as a ball player, but as a ball player, I think he's probably closer in all candor. He's closer, Anthony, to a two guard than a one guard. Uh, and I don't even know what one, two, three, four, five means anymore in this league because everyone's going small. But I can tell you that the guy can score and he just needs time to get on the floor and play. And this interruption couldn't have come at a worse time for him because you know, he's been a little inconsistent. But you saw some signs he was starting to put it together, and now this. So, again, it's, it's back to the classroom. Now, Alex Caruso, if there's anyone for the Bulls who perhaps having a, a few additional days away 
could be beneficial. I'm wondering if Alex Caruso with the, the hamstring and the calf and just how hard he plays the game, and he was already in the midst of sort of needing some time away to get that right, would he be potentially an example of a guy who returning because it was sort of forced upon him, but he actually had you know some, some true physical ailments with some soft tissue things going on that maybe Caruso could potentially benefit from the time away that was forced upon him? Yeah, I mean, I think you can look at Caruso, probably even to DeMar in a sense, because DeMar was a little bit banged up but played through it. Uh, but, you know, he, he took care of things as Caruso has done. So from that standpoint, you know, they will benefit. Uh, but sooner or later, Anthony, as you always know, when you don't play for an extended period of time, that schedule says, guess what, guys, we've got more ball. And so this starts three games in four nights. And then after Christmas, it's going to be five games in seven nights. So it catches up to you. And that's why the players have got to stay, you know, at least close to healthy as they possibly can. You know, once you get past the 45, 50 game mark, if you're a rotation player, especially a starter, chances are, Anthony, that you're dealing with something you know, you played pro ball, you played college ball, and you know you hit a certain game mark, especially if, if you're playing every day, uh, that your body's going to kind of bark at you a little bit. And I think that happens in all sports. And with Zach Levine, I would assume, and some of the other players who will still be out here, how do you think that the Bulls pick up the additional offensive punch? What is the approach and where does it come from? Well, the approach is, the, the, the good news is that you've got three guys back that are available with DeRozan, Javante, and Kobe, so that will help. I think Vooch is going to be a featured player now, obviously, with Zach sideline, and Lonzo is going to probably get more shots. Um, and, and Kobe, um, if he doesn't start, Kobe coming off the bench, either way, whether he starts or coming off the bench, he's going to have to you know, supply offense. But really, it still comes down to defense, Anthony. This club under Billy Donovan has played really, really well defensively. He has done a great job. And I think the X factor, two X factors, has been the front office uh, giving Billy some players this year that are legitimate NBA talented players. And then what Billy Donovan has done with those players. So we can look at Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley because they are terrific in the front office. And then you got Billy Donovan, who's one of the elite coaches, in my opinion, in the NBA. And because of that, they're going to put these players in the right position. At the end of the day, you still have to have players to win, Anthony. I mean, you can't, you, you, you just can't win with, without your star players on the yeah. floor. So are they going to miss Levine? Absolutely. No question. Are they going to miss Io with the depth? Yes. But I think they've got enough now to at least compete and go into a ball game thinking they can win. And you, you referenced Nikola Vucevic, and it, it seemed to me that he was kind of becoming a maybe more of a focal point within the offense. It's kind of the first time in Vuce's career where he's been essentially the number three option anywhere that, that he's been somewhere, and he didn't necessarily seem you know that 
he certainly wasn't as effective, whether it was comfort or not. But as the, the season has progressed here, it does seem like there's been more moments, more flashes, even in some cases some full games where Nikola Vucevic kind of looks more like the player that everyone anticipates he can be. What has he said about sort of finding his place in, in what this what? Bulls yeah. rotation is? You know, Anthony, he's been so frustrated, and I get that because he, he loves the game so much, and he's a total team guy. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, you can say that about a lot of people, and that's probably to a certain degree true. This guy, Anthony, loves, loves the game. And so if you look at where he's received the ball and some of the shots, he's just missed shots. You know, he does that little curl move with a little baby hook, and those have come up short. Um, He's shooting threes at the top of the circle. And or, you know, as as a facilitator on the high post on the elbow or the pocket. So I think those shots are going to start dropping. I think probably when you start missing shots, your confidence dips a little bit. But, you know, he's too good of a player not to have a bounce back. And that's what I'm counting on. We're certainly going to be looking forward to watching it and listening to it. We can hear Chuck Swirsky will be on Bulls pregame tonight at 645 on the score and also the Bulls game itself as they face the Los Angeles Lakers returning to action, the most exciting team in the NBA back on the court this evening. It'll be right here on the score with Chuck Swirsky on the, t- on the call. Really appreciate Chuck's time during this interview. Also, Dr. Bill Maurice from the Mayo Clinic and Ron Johnson, Vikings TV and radio analyst. It has been such a fun show. My thanks to those guests. My thanks to Brian Callahan on the ones and twos for me today as well. we got CBS Sports Radio on the way and then all those things this evening and beyond. Such a fun Sunday morning. Thanks for spending it with me on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.